0: Yeah, I mean falling over, you know, coffee tables and and stuff, Um, (laughs) or or landing right on top of the "Designed by Apple in California" book, which (laughs) looks to be quite sturdy
1: as it is.
2: So hey everybody, welcome to episode 119 of the Morning Just Code podcast. I'm Tim Mitra and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined as usual by Aaron Bay in Whitby, Ontario. Hello. And I'm also joined by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we also have Mark Rubin down in San Jose,
1: California. Hello. righty. The uh, first topic is super helpful for me, actually. I looked at this earlier tonight, Tim, and I was like, oh my God, finally. Because I was looking for just something like this. And we are talking about a review Tim posted about the CalDigit USB-C dock and, oh, yeah. quote, right. okay solution for MacBook Pro owners if you're willing to make compromises. Now, this video that's posted on 9to5mac.com shows this dock for, um, and it can be used for both the new MacBook Pros that are out now with USB-C, Thunderbolt 3-style ports, or even, and this is where I'm interested, the macbook 12 inch the original USB-C equipped mac and um i think it's more appropriate for that model to be honest with you than for the Mm -hmm. macbook pro but did you have something you wanted to say about it tim
2: well no i just uh, i thought it was interesting to see i think i think it's actually an older product that that might have been out there for a while um and i'm just pasting another link here that we'll talk about in a second but uh it's called the arc hub which i just found when i was rereading this article today Um, It was just sort of. I think it was. It it, you know some it has some of the ports that are available. It Doesn't have an SD card port. Um, And he said that some of the I think some of the the speed isn't quite uh, the full USB C speed. Like there's some compromises
1: that are made there. Yeah, if you use the display, that's because um, it's it's the only USB. It's not Thunderbolt, right? So it's only got the limited bandwidth. If you're pushing. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, if you're pushing a bunch of pixels through the through to DisplayPort, then it, it slows down the USB speeds is what he was saying.
2: Yeah, I think, well, the reviewer kind of sort of gave the impression that, that it was a good start, but, you know, and it has some of the ports that people might need. Like, for instance, one thing we need at work, actually, is Ethernet ports. And I don't think Apple's making a, a USB-C to Ethernet. I know they had a USB to Ethernet back in the day. I think mm. I have one of them, but I think Belkin, they're, offering, they're selling the Belkin one on, right, the, on the Apple right, website, right. right?
1: Yeah, just another right. trend of Apple outsourcing its hardware. So they've got some yeah, of these yeah. dongles going to Belkin and their displays to LG. Uh, still, there are very few USB-C docks out there. Solutions. Uh, you pasted in just now another one to the Arc Hub, which is being made by Borg Design. It's not available yet. Like so no, many of these order. things, yeah. So many of them mm. that I've looked at, and I have been looking in the last couple of days. Um, honestly, not really crazy about this Arc Hub, which I also checked out. Um, oh, no really? Because, okay. Well, because it's a circle, right? The idea is that it's a circle. Yeah. And so you're going to have this... Like, imagine... Like, o- you look at o- octopus, it... Octopus, yeah. Yeah, you're going to have an octopus, uh, uh, and it's going to be a giant mess on your desk. Um, like, the standard hub design, where it's essentially a box with the cables plugged into just one side of it, is much neater, I think. So... I don't like the for localism. a desk if it's if for you're using desk. it for say a, a table in a conference room or something like that then it's then it's actually pretty okay. good. Okay. Yeah, for a conference room. Yeah, I can see that. I don't see that being its primary use case though.
2: I think it may be because it's small too. So you but you have a some sort of a USB pass through hub or something don't you for yeah, your older Mac?
1: I do. Um it's uh, I can't remember who makes it. I think it's Satechi or something like that.
2: Yeah, we have a link. We'll find it because yeah. we talked about it on the show before.
1: Right. And it's um, a block that essentially plugs, uh, attaches directly to the side of the computer using the USB-C. Uh, I'm not that crazy about it, but it does the job. It does not have DisplayPort, though. That's the big thing. Uh, so what I'm looking for now is a dock that uh, that my wife can use because I'm we're considering giving her this computer, uh, the old MacBook. And, uh, she's right, got a MacBook right. air right now, but she needs to use it at her, at her desk with a 24 inch display with a display port cable on it. And, uh, you know, you obviously can't do that right now and have all the other stuff too. So we need a dock. Right. Right. And this, this hmm. okay solution is okay enough for me, I think.
2: Yeah. What's the price? I forgot what they the price say. Was. $150. Right, right. Yeah, I'm not well, sure I guess it's either. cheaper than a bag of dongles, really. Mind you, uh, I actually did actually go and start putting together the, my wish list of dongles after Greg talked about it last week on the show, right? Okay, Even, yeah. even though I don't quite have one yet, you know, I think they've, they've dropped, the, they've halved the prices or, or like done a 40% discount on some of the prices on the dongles yes. until the end of the year, That's right, right that's right. Yeah,
3: Tim, so. I think you need to trademark that phrase "cheaper than a bag of dongles." I like that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that's that's going to be the thing. I mean, like, I I already have a bag of dongles in my in my backpack. I mean, I have because I've had you know laptops of various shapes. In fact, I have a whole drawer full of older, you know, things to plug into IMAX and stuff like that for, you know, VGA adapters and DVI adapters. And so it's been sort of the, the life of a nomad, you know, which is what we used to call ourselves back in the power of book days. Um, you know, you're, you're always walking around with a bag of dongles and a, an a char- extra charger because, you know, all that kind of stuff, right, when you're working on laptops. But now they're, they're, now they're our primary machines. It's not like they're, you know, they're sort of the... We have the big Mac at home and we can, you know, come back to it sort of thing, right? But, uh, you know, when you're not at the coffee shop, as Aaron likes to do,
1: right? As this do. is where the future lies, right? Yep. I'm living in the future, baby. <laughs> yeah. But now I've got four ports instead of just one. So that's uh, quite the nice change.
2: Yeah, that's kind of cool. So, so your Mac, are, well, should we talk about your Mac now or do you want to wait a bit? Or? That's up to you.
1: Make yeah. it a main topic. I don't know. I'm just a caveman.
2: Well, so let's talk about that. So you posted a side-by-side picture of the MacBook, your your, Mac, your 12-inch MacBook, and your 13, right? Yes. And I saw one in the store the other day, and I took a picture of it for last week's show. But So why don't you, why don't you regale us on what you think so far?
1: Well, so far, I've been super impressed. Uh, the big surprise for me when I open the box, I'll say, is the size. It seems like it has such a small footprint. Um, and having had my, my, my 12-inch MacBook uh, that it's replacing, it... Uh, it wasn't that much bigger it's not that much bigger it fits in my bag this is the 13 you got it is a 13 Sorry. inch yeah okay. i think the 15 inch would be ginormous um i've and i've had 13 inch power, uh, macbook pros in the past like before my macbook 12 i had a 13 inch macbook pro uh this one is definitely of more svelte design you can definitely tell it's also more solid build quality is amazing the uh the lid lifts up with one hand one finger and it instantly turns on when you lift the lid. It's one of the thing that's different mm. between this and older Macs is that right. it's now powered on by a lid lift. Um, the Touch ID on the right side is astounding, like super fast, as fast as the iPhone 7, so yeah. with the new Touch ID 2 speed sensor, I say. Uh, I hear it's really, really good with 1Password. Have you tried that yet? See, I tried that, but... Um, tonight um Agile bits announced a new version of one password that included the uh touch id support but uh I tried to update to it and it seemed it said that I was already up to date and yet Ooh. I could not see how to do one password uh Ooh. I can continue to look at that, but you know like i'm looking at you know the the password dialogue right now and there's no way that I can see to activate touch id
2: I think it actually is a setting because I had trouble with it on my iPad until I found there's a setting that you go into to turn on Touch ID.
1: Okay, well, you found I'll, I'll so have that a look maybe for that. that
2: may be the case. Yeah, maybe
1: the case. Yeah. Uh, security, change password, allow Touch ID. Oh, yeah, there it is. You're exactly right. So there, I've just activated Touch ID. What's up? Um, and then it says uh, to require the master password every, and then you choose the time frame between an hour and two weeks. Um, so Mm. just to make sure, and it's defaulting to one week. All right. So try that. And yes, indeed. There is a, now a touch ID icon and I can just unlock it. Oh, so nice. That's hot. Mm -hmm. That's hot kids. So that Mm -hmm. works well. And, um, what else? The touch bar is gorgeous. I mean, it's beautiful. This OLED display, it makes it, the keys look like they're printed it really does have that kind of quality to it when you're looking at the keys. Um, I haven't had too much time to play with it yet. Uh, there have been some things that are amazing about it so far that I've seen. I watched a video full screen earlier tonight. And you know sometimes if you're watching a video full screen, you want to see how much time is left. So you jiggle the mouse, right? And it shows right, the right. The, uh, the play bar, the playback uh, scrubber thing. Uh, I don't have to do that now because that that scrubber is on the touch bar.
2: Oh, that's cool, yeah. So, yeah.
1: so I can be watching the video full screen, and I'm like, well, how much time's left here? I just look down on my touch bar, and there it is. And uh, I can see. And I assume it. you
2: can rewind 10 seconds yes, of and course. you can scrub forward and all.
1: Yeah, cool. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so that was really handy. Um, other places, like right now I'm in Safari, right, because I'm looking at our podcast topic ideas, and um, I can see that it has little thumbnails for each of the tabs that I have open. I happen to have two open right now. And it's peculiar because it's showing a little... Um, I guess a little thumbnail of the page, but it's long and narrow, right? So you know, like the touch bar is not that tall, right? Right. Um, right. So I'm I'm looking at uh, pictures of the web pages, and they're they're so small that you can't really distinguish them. Tell you what, I'll do while I'm talking here. I'm going to take a picture of them, and then um, okay. I'll post that. And then you what? Can there's just... no way to take a screenshot of the touch bar. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait, are we going to get to that?
2: <laughs> <'Cause> actually, <laughs> maybe, I, don't, I, don't I don't
1: honestly know. Um, I'll tell you, hmm. I'll use my iPhone and that'll be how.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't remember when the Apple TV first came out, we couldn't take
1: screenshots unless yeah. you were plugged into Xcode, right? Maybe that's how you do it. I think that's still the case, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, anyway, so I'll uh, I'll send that along to you uh, when I have the chance and then uh, maybe you could post it in the show notes as well. Sure. Um, but... On the whole, though, like I can see that there are places where the touch bar is going to be very useful and others where it's just, just cool. Uh, another yeah. thing I'd say about it, people are all upset about the escape button, right? Um, the escape button, very easily reached. Uh, it's not going to be a problem at all. I-, I tend to whack it all the time. One thing that I find very interesting about it is in situations where the action that you want to do is done using the escape key but it's not actually escape. For example, canceling a dialogue, for example, or in full screen video to go back to regular size video. Um, in those instances, it doesn't say escape in the instance of being in full screen. It's actually got the shrink down icon, you know, the two diagonal arrows pointing towards each other. So it's, it's in the location of the escape button, but it's actually not escape in that so I'm not a huge escape user. So are you? Are you like a vi editor no, kind of guy? No, definitely not. I'm oh. not. I'm so, not. But so,
2: uh, I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I can't. I, I know I use it. I know I probably do subconsciously use it quite a bit, but I'm, I'm not aware of what I'm using the escape key for. Right. So I'm not really that concerned about it. You know,
1: it's whenever you're in a mode or a place that you want to get out of. Yeah, i just yeah. i just reach up like i just fling my hand up to the top left of the keyboard and whack the escape button and that, that just makes everything go away that i want to have gone away right uh, yeah, in yeah. that sort of generic sense of get me out of here that's what escape yeah. is for but it's not always quote escape unquote it's something so is,
2: that, is that like a command period i think i probably use command period sometimes or command d yeah for yeah. don't save or whatever yeah, is sure. that sort of the same it behavior is. or what it's for
1: yes yes
2: hmm. um well, I also posted a, an article here by um, our, our man, um, John Gruber, on Daring Fowl Ball. He, I guess, like you said, there must have been an embargo on reviews, because maybe it's been lifted, because he posted a review yesterday. Everybody eight,
1: posted at like 8.15 in the morning.
2: Oh, did they? Okay, yeah. So, And he, he talks about a number of things, and, and I put put it up here. One of the things he talked about the touch bar, we're being really impressed with buttery smooth and, and looking great and all that kind of stuff. Um, so... Yeah, did you get a chance to read that one, or have you read other ones?
1: Yes, of course, I read that one. Yeah, it was great. Uh, um, I'll, can I continue with some of the things that yeah, have more sure, comments? Yeah, sure, of course. Um, of course. The, one of the things that some of the reviewers had said, I p- remember in particular Jason Snell on sixcolors.com talking about how the keyboard, while Apple claims that it was better improved than the original keyboard found in the MacBook 12-inch model, with the much more shallow key travel. Um, he said he didn't notice much difference, that it was pretty much the same keyboard. Uh, I could not disagree with that more. I find this keyboard way better. Um, the keys oh, really, are... Yeah. yeah, the caps are more solid. Um, they have they make a distinctive snap as you type on it. Uh, so you definitely feel when you're pushing down on the key caps, and you can hear it too. You've perhaps, in some of these reviews heard people say this keyboard is loud and i agree i think the keyboard is loud um i think it's wonderful (laughs) uh it is such a satisfying keyboard to type on i just want to keep typing on it it's it's wonderful it
2: really feels great um is that the same butterfly mechanism that they were talking about with the
1: macbook when it came out is that correct it is the same mechanism but they improved it they said and it seems like like, pro right (laughs) yes i feel like i'm the only one who noticed any difference at all uh, because everyone else has been saying it feels the same. Um, they must hmm. be trying some different MacBook. You know, like everybody out there hated the MacBook keyboard when it came out. You know, that was the consensus opinion. Yeah, yeah. The MacBook keyboard sucks. I always liked it. I thought it was excellent. Uh, but this, this, to my mind, it is way better. It is unquestionably better. Hmm. I'd also say the display with its wide color gamut is is also noticeably better. I think... Can anyone tell me if the iPhone 7 uses the wide color gamut? I don't think it does. I think only the iPad Pro 9 oh, inch does. Yeah. Okay. That explains don't. it because if that is the case, then um, I, would, I would have to say that this is the first time I've turned on a new Apple device and, and gone, holy crap, look how vibrant this color is. Yeah. And because I thought, I kind of had thought that the iPhone 7 had the new color gamut and I hadn't had that reaction. But when I first turned this computer on, wow, it blew me away. We're talking about the P3 color gamut, which is the the display that Apple's been putting on all its devices. And I wasn't sure if that included the iPhone 7 or not. I still don't know then. Let's look it up. That is as distinct from the OLED display. Um, Big trackpad. Other people were concerned about the giant trackpad. Uh, So far, it has been no problem whatsoever. I've had my hands on it. Obviously, you can't help but have your hands on it while you're typing. It hasn't interrupted anything so far. Um, this is in limited use, of course, but so far so good on that one. And that's about all I've got for this so far. It's it's really nice. Uh, it's a really beautiful piece of hardware. It's definitely more dense than the, uh, the MacBook 12-inch, um, but it's not significantly larger. So I'm pretty pleased so far.
2: Yeah, just a real-time follow-up. I did find uh, an article that says that Apple's wide color
1: is on the iPhone 7. So, oh, okay. Which maybe is odd. Because, you have one, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe it's because it's the larger display. It's more noticeable. Or am mm. not sure. Guys, questions
2: for Aaron? It's awfully quiet up in the states yes, today. Yes, it is. I know no I questions
0: here other than maybe what the exact um, layout was that you got or the exact specs that you got.
1: Okay, yeah. Um, so it's the 13-inch The 3.1 GHz Core i5, which was the middle configuration in the 13-inch models. Um, If I stepped up to the i7, I would have added another $200, I think. And I wasn't certain about the the battery life considerations for the performance you're getting. Um, Also, I stepped up to 16 gigs of RAM. Because, I mean, come on. (laughs) Um, Looking here, I see that this model is called in the About This Mac... Uh, it's called the MacBook Pro 13 inch late 2016 4 Thunderbolt 3 ports. That is a mouthful. <laughs> so far it feels pretty darn fast too.
0: So you're happier with the Swift performance then on it?
1: Uh I haven't haven't really gotten into that yet. That's that's the big test, of course, because uh, you know, the times that I've have sat there waiting for my uh project to compile, um, it's just been driving me crazy. I mean, so crazy that that's why I've got this thing now.
2: I posted another review by um, as part of follow up um, that I found on a Huffington Post out of the UK about a, a, a Final Cut Pro editor who has had one of the MacBooks to play with for the last couple of weeks, and uh, he really talks about. He says it's a really quick, zippy computer, um, and he talks about the touch bar being buttery smooth. You know, so yeah.
1: And he had the 15-inch one. I believe so, yeah. That's right. Yeah. He was a film editor, and uh, he was very impressed. One of the things that he mentioned, too, that um, I think has been underplayed a lot is how fast the SSD is. And uh, it's like a lot of people have been saying, you know, this this SSD is actually so much faster than the previous versions that it's it's getting into RAM speed territory. Mm. Um, And it really does make a big difference in the uh, performance of the machine overall. Uh, not a lot of people talking about that, but it is a big deal. Yeah. If you're doing
2: like heavy duty, you know, imaging and, and photoshopping and especially video editing, it would make a
1: huge difference. Right. So for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I think there's, there's no user that wouldn't benefit from faster hard drive performance. Right, right. And especially those people that are concerned about, uh, too little Ram. Right. Like if you can, right. you know, start moving into swap then, you know, what's the difference between RAM and swap all of a sudden? Uh, not, yeah, as mu- right. not as much as it used to be.
2: Yeah, just go back to a hard drive-based computer and you'll see why. Yeah, exactly. So, everything's an improvement, right? So,
1: yeah. yeah. All
2: right. So, well, that's so it for the follow-up? I, I guess yeah?
1: so. I guess that's it.
2: Well, there was... So, and have we addressed that to Ask MTJC sort of question from
1: Jamie, I think it was? Um, one sec, I'll, I'll that. bring that right back up again. That was Justin Stanley. Yeah. Which apps that you use daily do you think will benefit most from adding touch bar support well i can tell you right now that one password would be hands down the number one pick because it has the touch id integration does that count i don't know but um (laughs) i think be having the touch id there along with uh, the touch bar um is is significant it's super significant uh so just that Every time I don't have to type in my password, which is not short <laughs> uh is a huge win a huge win
2: yeah I, well I, I must use i must use uh, one password hundreds of times a day so well, exactly i am with, with you there exactly yeah yeah,
1: yeah so so it makes so no sense and like um you know alongside that uh before I got this computer today, I'd had both my macs uh set to unlock with my watch um there's no need for that now on this macbook at least um you know, it's, it's so much faster to use the Touch ID. So Ooh. that's what's happening. So uh, a huge win. Um, one thing I'm also looking forward to is Xcode. I haven't, again, haven't had too much of, too much of a chance to play with that one. But, um, you know, having the, uh, especially when you're debugging and stepping through over and up those moves, I'm um, looking forward to having those on Touch ID, or the Touch Bar.
2: Yeah, the question I was asking about was was from Jamie West. He asked you if you had a chance to play with Touch Xcode and Touch Bar, but you haven't really. No, right, I haven't.
1: So. I haven't. Okay. Oh my goodness, yeah. I haven't installed TextMate yet. I've got to get right on that. <laughs> Textmate. It's macromates.com. Everybody knows that. Come on, Tim, get with the program. Okay, here we are. Mm-hmm. Downloading right now. Ah, uh, so that's it. That's all I got. That's all anybody has. So
2: you, so you don't move your profile over when you get a new computer or you what just What do you mean by profile? Scratch? Well, you're like do a migration, use the migration oh, editor, migration tool no. to move over to the new machine.
1: No, you start uh, from scratch it, every time. No, just this time. This time, I said yeah. no. I'm uh, I'm going to do it manually. I'm going to reinstall everything. There will be nothing here that I don't control. And the reason for that right. is uh, essentially that this is my secondary computer. I only use it for recording podcasts and uh, doing my development work. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not my general purpose Mac, hmm. so uh, there's not that much stuff. I get um, I, I go to the App Store, Mac App Store, uh, download all my apps that I've got there, uh, and then there's oh, always yeah. a few stragglers that are out on the web, like like TextMate. Um, but you know now it's already installed. Great, back in business. But you know what, Aaron? What's that, Tim? This episode is brought to us by our friends at BuddyBuild. God, I love those guys. I'm gonna. I got. I think I have more to say about them. All right, take it away. BuddyBuild is a mobile optimized, continuous integration and delivery platform that takes just minutes to set up. Thousands of mobile development teams love BuddyBuild because it's the fastest way to distribute their apps to users and gather bug reports, feedback, and crash reports. Then use built in integrations for bug trackers and tools like Slack to seamlessly integrate that information back into their development process. With a simple screenshot, Testers can send their feedback directly to you, along with important diagnostic details. If your app ever crashes, BuddyBuild will record the frequency, affected users, and traces back to the exact lines of source code that caused the crash in the first place. BuddyBuild gives you even better visibility into crashes with Instant Replay, a video recording that shows exactly what your users were doing when the app crashed, giving you the exact steps needed to repro the issue. BuddyBuild gives development teams like yours perfect insight into bugs and empowers you to iterate on your app faster than ever, knowing you're building an app your users love. Join the thousands of developers who have already added BuddyBuild to their development process. Try it free today at BuddyBuild.com.
2: All right, so Jaime, do you want to tell us about uh, Touché from, or how do you say it in the States, Touchy?
0: <laughs> no, we, 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 no, we, we use touché. the French. The French. <laughs> version just <laughs> like you he was kidding guys.
1: guys he knows just like he you knows. guys
0: <laughs> Tauchy. 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 Yeah. so hey. in
1: canada it would be
3: touche a right <laughs>
2: that's it <laughs> right from red sweeter right
0: so i think we get it correct here in the united states if only because of the old um uh tom and jerry cartoon where there's like the three musketeers and they have the tiny little gray baby mouse Say, oh, touche, right, right. pussycat, when he was, like, <laughs> jabbing him. Uh, in any case, so Red Sweater Software, that would be uh, Daniel Jacquet has come out with Touche, which is a Mac app that exposes the touch bar, uh, or at least a simulated version of it. This is uh, a little bit different than what we talked about, uh, I think, last week. Uh, that, one, instead of being a uh, GitHub project that you then have to use Xcode and, and install something onto your iPad, this is just an mac app that you can just install and run right there so it's kind of a little bit different doesn't require external bits um of course it doesn't let you you know as we talked about last time like physically put this next to a keyboard and see what that feels like but um it does have the nice bit that you can just sort of quickly go through and see everything um that would be reacted to so i thought that was pretty neat and it's free free download for mac Cool. Uh, of course, yeah. as we mentioned, you have to have the correct version of macOS Sierra and it has to be the specific build, so be careful
1: with that. Just like we talked about last week. Mhm. Yeah. We're still hoping that they're going to come out with 10.12.2, right? And that would resolve all of these issues.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't require you to like, "Oh, I need to go in and like manually download this thing" because of course the uh the semantic version checker that's checking to see if you have an automatic update is going to say, Oh no, this is the same thing and, and not do anything with it. So coming back to touche,
2: the touche bar or touch bar, um, is this going to allow, like if you have an app that, that uses touch, the touch bar, uh, has features for touch bar, will that be accessible by anybody? Like when they're running this, this app, I guess, or is that the purpose or is just to simulate what you're going to in development?
0: Like I mean, it's, it, it simulates in the fact that like, it's not like a physical touch bar, right? Not like, um, of course, yeah. Like the actual hardware. Well, you can't
2: touch it. You're gonna mouse over it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> unless you're lucky enough to have one of those uh, supposed experimental touch Macs. Um, yeah, you're gonna be using your gonna be using your mouse for that.
1: Yeah, I can tell you. Look, um, I'm using it now, and it mirrors what's happening on my Touch Bar perfectly. Oh, okay, perfect. Okay, yeah. cool. So I'm um, as I'm moving between, say, Safari and the Finder uh the touch bar changes identically. And even if I interact with the touch bar on my Mac, the actual hardware one, and say expose the um all the function keys, the same thing happens on the screen on the on Dan Jalkut's version. Uh it's perfect. It's exactly what's happening. I mean it looks a little smaller, right? Right, right. And well, the nice thing
0: is, you guys were talking about screenshots. It's like, well, you yeah, you could use right. this as sort of like a, a poor man's way of dealing with it instead of having to take a rather spectacular photo with your iPhone.
1: Hmm.
2: And just for the sake of science, I downloaded it, and I just remembered that it's my Mac at work that's on running the latest version of <laughs> of Mac OS. So I'm got I've got the little do not enter sign through mine. So I guess I have to update my Mac, my current Mac. Womp womp. <laughs> womp womp womp. Anyway,
1: yeah. Yeah. live and learn live and learn. Mm-hmm. uh yeah it works great coolio i don't think right, i'll be so, using it much <laughs> uh-huh.
0: yeah i mean if you have like the actual hardware it doesn't make a ton of sense
1: yeah sure, except for sure. screenshots
2: eh? <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure. can we talk about your um uh post Aaron,
1: about cutting apple cutting their video services totally yes this was just announced this evening apple has stated and reported by Bloomberg that their normal 30% cut for app store revenues uh, and app purchases will be halved to 15% for services such as Netflix and Hulu. This is probably something that's been going on for some time for companies like Netflix and Hulu. But if there's anyone else that wants to get into the business of streaming video content and charging people for it, Apple just made it twice as attractive. <laughs> um, Mm-hmm. so this is something that's just happening and and it's again, to my mind, another sign of apple's ongoing thaw towards their cut you know it used to be an inviolable rule like death and taxes, apple's thirty percent cut of any dollar that they that uh that's made on the store um is now uh changing they're making less.
2: Yeah, interesting. Well, it also makes it more, like you said, more competitive for other people who want to get in. And maybe maybe even for Netflix's and the Hulus to be a bit more competitive, maybe there's something about the pricing.
1: I can't help but think that there was at the very beginning, you know, that Netflix said, We're not going to show up on your platform unless the the terms are better than thirty percent. Right. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because they're not charging a lot, right? back in the day, if you remember, it was like seven ninety nine. For a video streaming subscription with Netflix, it's gone up to like $10 now. But right, yeah. at that rate, you know, giving up 30% to Apple is a tough proposition. And given their popularity, Apple would prefer that they be there, right? So I can see that they would have given them a deal. And I think this is probably just a extending that deal to everyone else, just making it overt. Right. That's good news. Yeah.
0: Yep. It, it does make me wonder with these cuts and cuts and cuts if we'll eventually see the standard cut just for everything switch to be 15%, um, without any time trial sort of period, uh, just to sort of simplify the like sort of one-offness that's happening right now.
1: Right. I agree.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about, you know, I mean, initially when they had the 30%, it was, you know, their, their reasoning was that they're doing a lot of marketing for us and they're putting up this whole infrastructure and, uh, Maybe now it's they can they can afford to cut back on that because you know they're they're we're, I, we've all sort of said we're not really getting the value for for our thirty percent it seems right
0: yeah and I think we talked about that at some respect in a couple episodes about sort of the value proposition changing um, because a lot of things like you know just exchanging money over the internet is not as difficult as it once was with things like <laughs> right, you know, right. Stripe yeah, yeah. And, and PayPal and other things that came out
3: not to mention that apple recently introduced uh, ads within the app store so it's a little bit harder to justify if if people are paying for ads to get people to download their apps paying apple it's a little bit harder to justify taking as large of a cut for doing the marketing when people are already paying for that right
2: right right yeah true thanks disney <laughs>
3: Disney? Why Disney? Well, on. just
2: uh, big, big, uh, big companies, you know, can afford to spend more, right? So they they spend more money, more on their marketing budget on getting apps on the app store to into our hands. Therefore, it makes it easier on the rest of us who, you know, don't have the big pockets, right? That's my point. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, Jaime, you tell us about this new literature that Apple's getting involved in?
0: Yeah, I think last week we talked about the uh, the stocking stuffer that is the 5K LG display. And uh, <laughs> if that's a stocking stuffer for you, this will also be a stocking stuffer. It's uh, designed by Apple in California. A new, um, you know, they've called it like a photo book out in the press, but it's actually more of like a design book. And not, not like in the sense of like, oh, here's uh, the story, the biography of a designer, or here's the... Like process they went through no no this is really just about the designs itself um very similar to like a ton of art books that i've seen um the the big brouhaha of course is that it's uh a couple things one it's a it's a rather pricey depending how you look at it sort of thing it's like it comes in 200 and 300 flavors for which you get um these beautifully bound uh like apparently specially printed Um, photos 450 photos that cover about 20 years of apple's design history um where johnny ive and uh, steve jobs uh, overlapped and uh, looking at the photos that i've seen here they look like fantastic and spectacular and it's not just like the outsides of like the apple watch or the original iphone they show the inside of um like the g4 uh, cube which is kind of really cool because i've seen one of those in person Mm -hmm. but i've like know i didn't disassemble it and and see what it would really look like (laughs) uh and the other thing that that people are kind of wondering about is like uh is this like the the final hurrah for for johnny ive as he you know stays in his hovel over in in england and and kind of becomes more of like a retiree or professor emeritus kind of uh position and 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 i don't know about that um i just think it's kind of a a a cool thing i'm i'm not personally going to buy one because that's quite a chunk of change for that sort of thing. But I think if I was a design student, I really wanted to look at this sort of thing. It would be no different to me than like buying a textbook that has like, uh, Dieter Rams designs as well and try to like really look beyond just like, Oh yeah, this is marketing material. And it's like, no, no, no wait, let me understand that curve. What kind of curve is that? Right. Right. Yeah. That was
3: exactly my take on it. That the main customers will be, uh, well, either super design fans or universities having, design courses, uh, industrial design courses, and and we'll use this as as a, as a textbook, as you said, maybe Johnny Ive is is planning to teach some courses and this will be his textbook.
1: (laughs) There's not a single word printed in it. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, It's just pictures floating in his white room. Right. Well, Tim, yeah. you, went
3: to, you went to art school. There must have been stuff like this, right?
2: Yeah, totally. And there, I mean, a, believe it or not, a $300 book or whatever it is is not, is not uh, inexpensive for this type of book, like when it's sort of celebrating something like this and it's, you know, professionally bound or whatever. I actually own a couple of books and I put links here for them on the show notes because I mean, I've always liked Apple's design, even some of their earlier prototype stuff and there is a book called "Keep It Simple," which is the early design years, and it's like you know, little, uh, um, almost like plywood. Um, some of them are actual plywood cutouts, or they're made with clay, kind of thing, and as well as some early um, shots of things like the Lisa and you know the early floppy drives, and and some of, and into into sort of up to the iPods and things like that. Um, some really wacky designs. And there's another book that came out a couple of years ago, and I've forgotten the name of the author, but it's called "Iconic," and it's sort of a Actually, now I'm thinking there's a third one too that I'm just drawing a blank on. But iconic was a book that came. You could get it in a special bound case, and uh, it was it was uh, there was a couple of versions of it. I have a hardcover version of it, looking up on the shelf up there, um, and it's it's sort of um, um, it's not. It's interesting that the Apple book everything is you know square and straight on, sort of shots of of the of the products from what I've seen on, on the shots that are available on the web. Um, but the iconic one sort of does sort of a more pornographic kind of uh view of of the apple products like they'll they'll zoom in on the curved edge of a macbook pro or something like that and you know and, and yeah it's apple porn i'm into it <laughs> as an apple fanboy right um you're yeah, sick so, I, mean, Mitra. I, I will definitely i will definitely probably have one of these probably the the cheaper version um somebody joked today he'll wait for until he can get the downloadable pdf but um yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something interesting. And, and yeah, there, you know, a lot of times when you're when you're looking at art, for instance, as you, as a question mark, um, you know, if you have an artist or whatever, um, I have a number of books or, you know, they're, they're, they're generally pretty big. And, you know, because they need to, you need to be able to look at a good print of, of a piece of artwork or whatever. Um, There's books on architecture. There was a great collection at York University, which I could never get my hands on because it was always checked out by M.C. Asher, the whole collection of every single one of his drawings. And um, it was a huge collection. And the books were huge. And like I said, they were always checked out whenever I went to to see them. But yeah, if you're into art and you're into architecture, these that that's kind of the sort of style of book, and the books aren't cheap. They're like they're way up there in the hundreds of dollars, right? So, as an as an art student, a lot of your a lot of your budget, like it is with I guess with science and engineering, you know those those textbooks you get in university are are, you know hundreds of dollars at a time, right? So, yeah, so same sort of thing. But but this this focuses on on the uh, sort of art aspect of of what you're looking at, and that's sort of another one of the factors of why people like to go with Apple products is because not only are you getting a, a computer that's easy to use, but it's designed really nice and it's pleasing to the eye. Right. Because so if they put a lot of effort into their design, you've got, you know, very few road apples in terms of design from that point of view, you know, and by the way, Jaime, mean, I, I do only, um, g4 cube if you want to come over and pull the handle and take a look inside start taking take it apart and see how they came <laughs> yeah, up and, with that. And, well, yeah. you know as as, a, as an apple you know i've always been taking my toys apart so i've i've pretty much every mac i've i've owned i've taken apart at some point and they're just as gorgeous on the inside as they are on the outside you know so in fact i think one of the pictures that uh, that they have highlighted in on the web is is the tool that they use to uh, carve out the inside of an apple watch is in one of the shots right Mill out, I guess, is the term mill.
0: Yeah. And it's, this is the sort of thing I'd like to see in person. And unfortunately, looking at the current list of, uh, of available places for Apple stores in the U.S., it looks like there isn't one even vaguely close to me. So it might be a while. But hmm. um, the fact that it has, you know, that specially, I'm just going to read it here, printed on specially milled custom dyed paper with gilded matte silver edges using eight <laughs> color separations and low ghost ink, like, that sounds like it would be beautiful in person that it, yeah, I could look at yeah. the photos, you know, like on an iBooks version or like a PDF version, but it's probably not going to be the same as seeing that like great chunk yeah. of dead wood uh, sitting there.
2: Well, in traditional senses, uh, if you wait about a year, there'll be a paperback version of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. without the silver. don't just... <laughs> think that's going to
1: happen this time. <laughs> they never know. And you're never, you're not even going to be able to buy it in Canada. Really? No, it's not available in Canada. They, they listed oh, the countries it's available in. Does not include us. So, right, so I have to smuggle one in. You have to smuggle one in from the States. You have to go down there to like the Fifth Avenue store in New York City. Man. That's yeah. it, Carol. We'll go to New York. That's it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, what do you think of the idea that Apple's publishing a book uh, like this? Do you have any thoughts about that?
2: Like I said, it's odd because, I mean, like all the books that I've had in the past have all been sort of, you know, fanboy, you know, and, and you know, a lot of a lot of effort goes into making them. It's interesting that, that they're doing it now, um, you know, and they've been the subject matter of, like I said, tons of books in the past, so I, I'm not sure what their motivation is.
1: Yeah. Let me tell you a little anecdote. Uh, you mentioned the book Iconic, which was published yes. a few years ago and is, by all accounts, do you own a copy, Tim? I do, yes. Oh, great. Uh, by all accounts, I've heard that it's a wonderful book and it covers the entire history of Apple product design, uh, including things that uh, never made it to the light of day, yeah. as I recall. Yeah. Some prototype work from Frog Design. And uh, this this book, of course, is just about Johnny Ives' career. It's everything from, I believe, the iMac on and does not include uh, stuff from before that. So like some of those designs that uh, that Apple was very well known for in the 80s and 90s are yep. not to be seen here. So uh one of the interesting things about this book though is when Iconic was published the author uh who's something of a entrepreneur it seems <laughs> because he's sold the book in many different forms and uh has done a lot of work in driving awareness of it. Uh approached Apple and and got sort of their feedback on it which was basically the message that we don't look back. We only look really? forward. Yeah. And so a book like this strikes us as nothing more than a conceit that, uh, that we don't believe in. Uh, so it's nice that you publish this book, but we don't want anything to do with it. And that, that is the apple that I think I know and love most of all. It's, it's the the company that does not look back. They always look forward. They always are looking for improvements on the past. They're not looking to look back on the past. And so that's one of the things, actually, that's been troubling me about Apple of late is all the looking back they've been doing. Um, you remember the Mac event from a couple weeks ago? Yeah. They uh, talked about the this new MacBook Pro, and they framed it in the context of its continuation of a legacy of Apple's PowerBooks over the years. Uh, I believe they were saying it was like the twentieth anniversary. Am I remembering the, the twenty right? Like that, the day that they were doing that presentation, I think was the twenty fifth anniversary of their first laptop computer. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I think so. Um, and so you remember the commercial for this MacBook Pro was actually uh, a progression going from that first macbook or whatever they called it powerbook (laughs) to the present you know looking showing all those photos of all these different models and so they um are always looking back and to me that's that's like a really bad sign and this book is a continuation of that but you know wrought in a this massive artifact this expensive artifact that i get i get why it's expensive it's an art book uh i understand that but this and that they spent eight years making this thing they said (laughs) wow yeah like why why do you have people doing that when you've got such valuable work that you need to be doing at the very least pushing the mac forward something that you have really not been paying too much attention to i'm sorry but there it is (laughs) um (laughs) that part freaks me out and then the other part that freaks me out is this book was dedicated to steve jobs and i I probably wouldn't say this about anything else, but I think Steve Jobs would like jump out of his grave and smack Johnny Ive in the face if he knew about this because there's just no way that this is what Steve Jobs believed in. Looking back, absolutely not. You know, one of the things that we saw in one, in one of the articles about this book because I think Johnny Ive did an interview with someone is that they actually had to acquire some of the hardware. Like they they were buying hardware from collectors right right over the years in order to put this book together there's a simple reason for that apple was not interested in keeping um any of its hardware from the past and steve jobs himself uh was basically like throwing old hardware out of the company headquarters um because he had no interest in having it around at all like this is absolutely not uh what steve jobs believed in by by every anecdote i've heard about them so this just strikes me as a as a strange exercise um and it's also as of today it's out of date it's out of date man (laughs) the next time like is the macbook pro in there i don't think so but maybe if it is like you know three months from now there's going to be a new mac pro right god i hope and you know where's that in the book it's out of date so it's just weird it's just weird
2: well, I found a link to a, somebody posted, a, I guess, uh, Yahoo Finance posted a, some, some of the more interesting shots. And some of them are, are sort of like the take-aparts that uh, I think iFixit does a lot of that kind of stuff. And yeah. So, you know, some of the, like the stress test machine for testing the glass that's used on the iPhone, you know. Hmm. Some interesting things. I guess there's some cool stuff in there, but.
1: Yeah. I mean, if if I were, sorry, if if I were going to get this book, it would be the $300 one. Yeah, really, the like the top end but one. I mean? want. I would want the big book. I mean, if you're doing this, got to go big.
2: Yeah, go big. It's not or like go you're home.
1: gonna carry it around.
2: But it's even like twice the price of the iconic book, which, which like I think, like I said, the iconic, like, there were a couple of versions of the iconic book. One you could get in like a you know slide in case and. Oh good lord! You know,
1: there's there's like a dozen versions of the iconic book. It's yeah. Stupid. So
2: but but I'm <laughs> still still saying that I think that they never they never approached approach this price. At least I don't think they did, right?
1: N- yeah, they? actually, uh, <laughs> there's one version of it. Um, sorry, I'm just looking it up right now. Oh, they don't actually list the prices. Damn. They, mm. Their top-end version comes in, like, this bespoke plastic case that looks like it's from the 80s, and it has a metal cover. Okay, I'll go to the order now page. Okay, no, Ugh. you're right. It's only $250. Only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 Yeah. how good how good could it be really you know oh, at that I know. price yeah anyway i put a link in the show notes there for you if i uh, go to iconicbook.com and you can look at the selection of the editions now there's a second edition of iconic that's available now uh but these some uh, higher end ones say the one with the metal cover and the one with the plastic looks like an old computer case uh they are actually the original edition ones um who knows looks like a nice yeah. book yeah no it's a, it's an interesting exercise from
2: apple i really don't understand why they're doing it like you said especially yeah. when they should be fixing your your the products you've been complaining about for so long yeah.
1: you know come out with uh with a new keyboard with the touch bar on it you know there's, there's a yeah. thing yeah. you know if you just if you're are you looking for ideas i got ideas you want more ideas you know come out with a, a desktop mac that uh that isn't some art project and make it practical and powerful just an idea right, right. um yeah I'm just, just spitballing here, you know. I don't know. Make a display, an Apple display, you know. Just throwing out ideas. Yeah, with like
2: three thunderbolt thunderbolts on the back or something. Whatever,
1: you know. Yeah. Put an Apple logo on it. Dress it in aluminum. Charge another couple hundred bucks for it. What? Whatever. Um, geez. <laughs> yeah. Just an ideas guy. You crazy, guys got to roll with it. So, I I can't help it. I think who who of you said you don't think this is I uh, Johnny Ives send off. None of us, I think. Right, yeah, I,
0: don't, I don't think any of us is really sure. It's just kind of the, the scuttlebutt that maybe this this is.
1: Oh, my good Lord. And, yes. and
0: given the timing, it's like, oh, wait, man, does that mean there's nothing cool coming out? Like, how great would it be to end it with the new iPhone, you know, next year's iPhone that supposedly will be our, our hearts and dreams? Well, of course. I mean, I think and it's like edgeless, teardrop shaped, uh, yeah. foldable, you know, I don't know, just come up with every room or just bolt them all together phone.
1: Yeah, that phone is done. Yeah. that phone's well, done he's already got it that phone's he's already done got his- hey tim yeah aaron yeah that phone's done he's okay. finished it it's <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> but no, I, was, I
2: was gonna say he's already got his mbe so what else is there for him to do really you know
1: well i'm just thinking in terms of uh, apple's uh product pipeline right so uh the the new iphone that will be debu- debuting next september is done okay like his work on that is done Right, I would think, right. You know, the Apple headquarters, which he had a huge hand in designing. That's done. Right? They're almost done right. building that thing. Uh the Apple Car Project, dead. He's not involved anymore. Right? Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. the the Mac line, who knows what the hell's going on there? Uh he's clearly got nothing new to say in there. I mean, he finished working on the touch bar, so that was a big deal. Uh, I think this is a great time for him to depart the company if that's what he wants to do. Do you yes, remember yeah. when there was a great profile of Johnny Ive last year? Uh, yes, we we surely talked about it then. So, uh, if sixty minutes feeling, or something like that, or no, online, it wasn't sixty or... minutes. It was a, it was a magazine article. Uh, they talked right, about Johnny right. Ive and yeah. uh, how he drives to work in his Bentley. And uh, one of the great things I got from that article was just how tired he is. I really got the sense that the man was just overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed. He had too much going on. He had all these projects. He had not enough hours in the day. And I think that this, this, what we're seeing now is his retirement gift. He's, he's going to tend his garden now and Mm -hmm. other people, other minds at Apple are going to take over and, and hopefully start making their own impressions on new future Apple products.
0: On the positive side of this, um, at least now I'm convinced he's alive because he actually did some interviews for this yeah. book. And uh, since he hasn't been showing up to Apple events, I thought, oh, my gosh, they've, they've replaced him with some Vocaloid speech synthesis software. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Paul is dead sort of thing for Apple fans.
1: Yes. Well, I, I yeah, wish so him well. I wish him well. I do think that he's done. Yeah.
2: Hey, Siri, say... Don't do that, Tim. Don't do that. No, no I was going to say, hey, Siri, say... No, we asked do ourselves... That.
1: Don't do that. Just you're trolling everybody. Up, you're <laughs> setting off people's phones when you do like oh, yeah, that. Oh, yeah, sorry, I would
2: do that. No, I was just going to say, Siri could say, you know, we asked ourselves in a British voice. Right. Which is how he always says, he starts his videos. I know. All right. I was just looking for Johnny Ive here on the, the past notes, so I can't seem to find anything. No worries.
1: In the New Yorker. It was oh, yeah, right like... here. Shape, shape of things to come. You got yeah. it. You've got it.
2: That's it. No, I was just looking for the episode we talked about, which was um, episode 27.
1: Fantastic
2: long time ago it was almost 100 episodes ago Aaron. 90 episodes ago
1: we've been doing this for a long time it's mind-blowing when you think about that's
2: it It's true mm. yeah all right um so or i guess we're at the pick points no we've got glasses to talk about don't we oh yeah yeah that's true i was gonna say maybe
1: johnny's gonna design some glasses maybe or maybe not maybe this is like the first project from one of the new guys oh is it <laughs> tim i don't know
2: I mean, I just I read the article that this in the front of the business section in the Star today, and then I found it online. It's an article from Bloomberg talking about how apparently Apple's getting into. Well, we, I think um, Tim Cook had mentioned that they were some interested in, in augmented reality, and uh, some some speculation coming around uh, the newswires today that Apple may be getting into some sort of wearable digital
1: glasses. Have you guys seen anything about this today?
0: I'd heard a bit about it
1: yeah know. it's written by mark german so you know there's something to it okay. you know it's probably easier
2: to sure. put together a set of glasses than it is to build a car i guess
1: uh yeah i guess i mean there's definitely there would have to be some new technology i think uh if you were to go to apple and ask for a response they would say we experiment with a lot of different things and uh this is probably just one of those you know right. uh everybody got super excited about the car right but you know, that could just as well have been just one of those things that Apple experiments with trying all kinds of different stuff. Like, you know, the touchscreen Mac, the touchscreen Mac is sitting right beside the, uh, the, the, the glasses, you know, they're on the same desk, (laughs) something that Johnny, Johnny's desk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Or, or his successors, right? (laughs) Hey, cool. Look at my touch bar is done. I've got, I'm on this page with the video. And so now I have a scrubber alongside my little preview icons of my tabs, amazing mm-hmm. how versatile the touch bar is i know and i
2: had to go and click on the pause button like an animal
1: oh such a beast
2: i know
1: oh cool now i'm scrubbing through the video and it's glassy smooth mm. Why, Buttery smooth, should... oh yeah sorry buttery smooth my bad my bad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm.
2: so yeah and i think i part of the rumor comes out of the fact that apple has purchased a couple of um augmented reality companies over the last you know year or so uh, i'm trying to find the names of them
0: Right, and Tim Cook has talked about Apple's interest in uh, augmented reality, AR, over virtual reality, VR. Right, yes. and yeah, sort of how they I think the, the, the former is going to be more mainstream uh, than the latter.
1: Absolutely. I mean, he's so right about that. I'm certain he's right about that. I mean, just, just the one thing, just think of one use case in my mind, and it explains it all, displays, right? The one problem that, say, iOS has is the display size limitation? Like you're limited to the size of the device? What if you could right, divorce yeah. those things? You know? You break those things apart, and you're not you're not limited to like a four-inch display, and you don't have to choose which piece of hardware you're going to use based on the size of its display. That problem right, just goes right. away. That, oh my God, that alone.
2: What's that? Like- it's like the people who bought the projection, you know, projector TVs instead of buying a large screen TV, yeah. so they can have a, you know giant TVs as big as they want, right? Kind of thing, right? Can we have a sidebar conversation for a second? Oh, absolutely, let's do it. Okay, so so I'm thinking about all these poor kids walking around with these, um, you know, in their homes putting on these um, PlayStation VR goggles and the headphones and whatever else they have to put on. And, and they're completely blind to their actual real-life environment, and they're going to start flailing around in their living rooms or you know, wherever they, they play these VR games. Isn't there like a concern about their actual health because they might injure themselves somehow, not being, paying attention to their actual real environment? Wow.
0: Yeah, I mean, falling over, you know, coffee tables and and stuff um, (laughs) or or landing right on top of the Designed by Apple in California book, which (laughs) looks to be (laughs) quite sturdy as it is. Um, I've seen some implementations that uh, practically sort of try to address that. Um, I want to say like the HTC Vive, and I could be wrong, um, does this. It could also be the Oculus. Uh, One of the two will... um, it knows the boundary of what that playing area is supposed to be like, and it shows you, like, a ghost image of, like, the real world if you get oh, a little too okay. close, right, right? So, like, yeah, if you're going to fall off the, like, upstairs loft where maybe you have the, uh, the the video game system set up, it will show you, like, oops, the, you know, instead of a zombie, you kind of see, like, a little ghostly overlay of the real world on top of that. Just by putting a camera on the other side, right? Like, if you think about it, um, if people are walking around with those, like, Google Cardboard things on their head, and and we showed some from Google that are, like, nicer, uh, why couldn't they just have, like, a little hole for the camera system to see out? And I could be watching Netflix while I'm walking down the street. Why not? (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, it's not as good as like this. Except like, for the Apple cars are going to run you over, you know. <laughs> no, but I'll, I'll see them, right? I mean, it would be like looking through like a pinhole or like a keyhole. But it's um, distracted walking. Yeah, I won't have peripheral vision, but uh, it, also if they can leak the audio through, right? That's so true. like recognize certain sounds.
2: Yeah, but, but that, is that ambulance in the game or in the street? You know. Um, yeah know, that's a good the question reason i'm
0: thinking about it is you remember what, it was
2: a nintendo wii what's the one where you have the is it the wii where you have the controllers that are like you hold them in your hand and you wave them around and play tennis and golf and is that the one yeah that's do you, not, the do you wii. not remember when they <laughs> first came out there was a lot of pictures posted of, of like them being hurled through drywall or or people with black eyes from whacking themselves in the face with these things or, or you know or you know, smashing the tv or, or smashing their buddy who's next to them kind of thing yeah exactly because mm-hmm. they lose control and that's why they had the tether on them right so right but that, that's, I just, I've seen, you know, commercials of like, there's there's a commercial right now, I forget, I think it's for the PlayStation where the, the guy puts the, the kid puts the, the, the VR goggles on and kind of sinks down into his living room, you know, and immerses himself in this, you know, battlefield, Star Wars battlefield or something like that, right? But I, I just, I just envision all these kids like, you know, impaling themselves on some strange IKEA furniture somehow, right?
1: It'll probably happen. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, that's why we need the VR systems, like, if you've ever seen The Lawnmower Man, where you have, like, yeah. a, whole, wait, a, second, a whole, like, wait, Nautilus exercise machine set up. The movie, because <laughs> I've, not, I've not, read the, not read the books, I don't know what the visual's like. But he's no, got, exactly. like, a whole, really like, different, like yeah. Nautilus workout system that they, like, hook you up into. And, like, you know, I don't know, maybe the dog walks into that while you're moving around or something, but you're not going to hit each other.
2: Right. Right. Oh, because they're strapped in kind of thing? Is that what you're saying, Jaime?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like space camp, you know, when they put the kids in the, like, the vomit comet equivalent and they spin you around to the, like, yep. double axis um, rotating seat.
1: Yeah. if you've uh, right, Have you right. read the book Ready Player One? Not yet. Okay, so you got to read that book. Everybody, come on. It's book club at uh, MTJC. Stop the I mean, podcast. There's a movie coming
0: out. I yeah, think there is a see, movie coming out. you should oh, wait, see the movie read the book first and then read yeah. the book. So you Definitely. go from good to great, hopefully.
1: Yeah, hopefully. But, uh, you know, you should read the book first. You should read the book now. There's no excuse for not reading a good book. And Ready Player One is a good book. Anyway, it describes exactly the setup you're talking about there, Jaime. It's the same thing. You get into a suit. Um, you kind of strap into an apparatus. And you're not going all over the place.
2: Right, right. What was that book by Heinlein, Starship Troopers, where they did the same thing—the army guys get into these mechanical suits and become these superhumans?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Is, uh Waldos, I believe. That they what were they were called? called, Waldos? Yeah, Waldos.
2: Yeah, they totally ruined that in the movie. That was the best part of the book.
1: It really was, and they, yeah, oh, you know, <laughs> that movie was good for other reasons, so. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we we got to go on topic here. Um, <laughs> where were we? we were talking so we were about, talking uh,
0: about the, the the glasses and their, right. their ar yeah, so if they're sucks, done right they, <laughs>
1: right
2: so uh, app yeah so back to back to that so apple had bought prime which is a motion sensing technology that was involved in um microsoft's connect product and uh they bought a couple of other companies meteo and flyby which were both sort of vr media or ar um companies as well I looked at doing AR development a couple of years ago because that's just fascinating stuff. I don't know if you guys have ever played
1: around with any some of the SDKs that are out there. No, zero, zilch. I've done nothing. I don't know. I've never experienced any of this stuff.
3: I played with I played with the View Four uh, SDK a little bit. It's pretty cool stuff, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that was it was developed at Qualcomm, and I think they've spun it off. A while back into a, a standalone unit uh yeah but it, it's a it's an sdk you can just download it and and start doing ar stuff right away i haven't yeah. used it in a while I don't, I don't know where it is right now but it was pretty cool back then this was a couple of years ago
2: yeah i still get emails from them they're still developing it and still keeping it up to speed there was one called yep. strings uh strings mm-hmm. yep. and i'm not they had an ios app that you could download and some printable targets and you know you put these laser printed pages on in front of you and what, the way it works is there's a, there's a black pattern in the in the in the artwork and that's what you put into your uh into your ios app that look for that thing and then when when it sees it you know a 3d figure will pop up and like uh, some sometimes it could be like game figures that walk around on your on your desk in front of you or dragons that fly out and you know move around the room and stuff like that and as long as the the that pattern is within the in the range of the camera the the effect lasts so i could see them doing this kind of thing with uh and you know other experiences where you'd have like a three or like a 360-degree uh, um, playing field, and as you move around, you would see information pop up on the screen as if it was, like, overlaid in in the real world, like, you know, um, like where, you know, where the nearest Starbucks is, and then you rotate a little bit more and you see where the next Best Buy is and that kind of stuff, and, you know, maybe right. they'd show you a special and that kind of thing. And that may be where Apple's sort of thinking with these glasses. You put the glasses on and you say, okay, well, how do I walk from where my office to, you know, the Apple store? And and they would get, sort of give you landmarks until you turn left here you know it's sort of like walking um gps what do you call it uh where you do the
0: like navigation
2: yeah the, the, yeah the navigation where the you know the arrow would come up and say turn left here and watch out for the bus there kind of thing you know uh, just ways of of f- presenting information to you right in front of your face as it were right um my only yeah. concern is, is like these little cameras like can you or these little displays can you actually see what's in front of you but uh, and and we see this in a lot of sci-fi movies, where you know, like like even in in Star Wars, where you know Luke's f- flying down the cannon and he's got the little squeaking sort of in the in the corner of his eye, so he can sort of you know target the the hole in the Death Star, sort of thing, right? So
1: that's why he turned it off; it was in his way.
2: Yes, because he he used the fork.
1: Luke, why have you turned it off your targeting a computer? Yes, you remember that?
2: Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're all looking forward to Rogue One coming out in December. Oh,
1: oh my good lord! Yes. <laughs> Oh, hells yes.
2: <laughs> to find out why they left the, that exhaust port in the Death Star.
1: Yes. Oh, I cannot wait. <laughs> I'm also looking forward anyway, to so, seeing Arrival. Sorry, but there it is.
2: Oh, Arrival. Awesome. Go see it. I went and saw it. and I just, you know, went and saw it the other day. Amazing. You will love that movie, Aaron. You're for I know. Sure. I know I'm going to love
1: it. I can't wait to see it.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, you, I, I know there's several reasons why I know you in particular are going to love this.
1: Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yes. Cannot yes. wait. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. 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 You know, there's a showing in about 40 minutes. (laughs) You could go. (laughs) Okay, let's button this up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All
2: right. Yeah, so should we do the picks then, right? Let's do the picks. Well, it looks like the Jaime and Mark show. So Jaime, do you have a pick?
0: I do, and it's it's almost like follow-up. So we've talked about Apple's revised developer uh, documentation, you know, developer.apple.com, slash reference, and and so forth. Uh, They've updated it to show you Uh, API changes. So up in the right-hand corner, you can say um, show API changes or hide API changes, and it will give you kind of this color-coded, you know, purple is modified, green is added, and uh, what is this, orange, I guess, is uh, deprecated. You can very quickly see, like, okay, well, like what I'm looking at right now, what changed between Xcode 8.1 and Xcode 8.2 beta 2? Uh, And you can even check within the betas themselves, and I'll say, okay, well, let's go take a look at CloudKit. What changed? oh, CK Acceptic Shares operation looks to have been modified. How is it modified? Oh, it has a new symbol called share Metadata. Oh, okay, great, thank you. And you can go through very quickly see that, right? Like, we, we've talked about this before, that having sort of, like, GitHub-style diffing of, like, what the heck changed in this giant bit of, uh, of text. Right. This is part of that. And I really, I really appreciate this sort of thing. Um, if, if you want to go take a peek at, like, uh, the accelerate framework for example there's like an enormous number of functions in there and at least now you can see oh look this purple run right here is the one that changed it's great UI
3: yeah this looks great I wish they'd do the same thing for Swift 2 to Swift 3
0: hmm yeah Ooh. that would be handy oh, um, be and handy. the App Store guidelines uh, in the future yeah
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't hold yeah. your breath on that one yeah. yeah
0: cool.
2: And we saw something, uh, yeah, there wasn't there we felt, we talked about a link a couple of months ago that where somebody had done similar thing like this, where they had done a diff between the two, uh,
1: races right. of oh, right. awesome. store guidelines. Yeah. There is someone doing that. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Store guidelines. Right. Right.
0: And of course Apple has its own notes that show you like the big old changes. And and unfortunately sometimes it's been kind of unusable in terms of like, well, what changed? Like, Oh, well they added like the nullability uh, annotation for Objective C. I was like, Oh, everything to, in the world changed. Everything.
3: Yeah. yeah. So everything <laughs> is, de- is diffed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. And perusing through this, it looks like, um, a lot of things ended up changing because of, uh, notification names, which, uh, looks like they're making it more, more Swifty, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the things that's changing in between Swift, uh, two and three is, is the, um, taking off the NS on a lot of, um, foundation type classes and stuff like that like that you might use in your apps and making them more i think they're becoming what's the term i'm looking for
1: more concise
2: uh, no it's, they're moving away from they're more protocol like i think I'm, it's, I'm not using the right term but there, there's a change to it um so like yeah we talked about that where like ns default becomes default you know ns user default sorry becomes user default and um things like that um that's one of the big changes, and the other one, of course, is the method naming and stuff like that is changing as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: It is interesting that they do this by Xcode versions as opposed to SDK versions. Yeah, just in, yeah. in, in the uh, in the in the UI, it's pretty much the same thing in in practice. Although sometimes it might be uh, easier to to reference it if it were by version SDK version. In other words, what change mm-hmm. between? ios 10.1 and ios 10.2 or what is changing that's that may be more relevant in some cases than xcode uh, beta 8.2 beta 2 versus xcode beta 3 or whatever but it's a great start i mean it's 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 definitely a good thing what they've done
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: mark what do you got so my pick is an online course on machine learning now Everybody's heard of machine learning and it's hot these days. Uh everything from the way that they classify photos in your in your photos app now to uh audio, you know, picking you know, figuring out what kind of what what song it is, you know, in a Shazam type of app. This is all this is all machine learning stuff and it's everywhere. They've included it now in in the Accelerate SDK and it's all over the place. So so you may be wondering, you know, really, what is it and and how do I learn about it? And so this online course is a particularly good one uh, put out by Caltech. It's an actual Caltech course called Learning from Data. Now, it's not really new. It came out in 2012, uh, but since it's, it's, it's an introductory course, you know, it's 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 not the latest and greatest stuff, but it's a really, really good introduction taught by a really good professor. So I've actually gone through... This is the, my second time going through it. Uh, I watched the course, took the course online a couple of years ago, and it was great, great background. And I'm doing it again now. I'm going through the course. It's, it's one of these, you know, work on your own pace. It's not uh, it's not timed. There's not, uh, you know, you don't, you don't have to sign up for it or anything. You just kind of download the lectures. They're on YouTube, and there's homework assignments you can do, and there's solutions you can find out there. This time, I'm actually doing all the homework assignments in Swift just for fun.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: So it's it's really really interesting. Uh, so uh, there's also a textbook that is written by the same professor. His name is Yasser Abu Mustafa. I think I should get that name right. Yasser Abu on Mustafa. Yep. 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 Uh, and uh, it's just a fantastic course. It's it's a little bit theoretical. So you do have to have some math background. You have to know calculus. You have to know some linear algebra matrices. You need to know some statistics. But if you have those at, at pretty much a university engineering level, then the course is pretty accessible. Yeah, so it's, it's not an easy course, I wouldn't say, uh, even though it's, it's, in, it's an introductory grad-level course. It's not easy, but it's accessible. You can do it. And I recommend it. It's, it's a, it the guy's a fantastic teacher. Highly recommend uh, you check out the lectures if you have any interest in this area. That's cool.
0: it. Very cool. Right. Yeah, I'd be interested to see um, this whole part of the industry grow. I think it's mm-hmm. almost uh, through that, like, um, what is it, the Gartner hype cycle thing. Like, it's almost at that point at which people are no longer just, like, thinking they can just sprinkle machine learning on the top of everything that they do that it has to be like <laughs> an entire discipline and you probably have people who are dedicated to it you don't just grab yeah. random people and say oh good you know you, this week you're working on machine learning right
3: yeah i think they are they are at the point now where people are specializing this in school and and uh coming out as big data experts i mean for sure there are big data experts out there and and data mining machine and machine learning they're all kind of tied together so yeah we're probably getting to the point where everything will have machine learning built in right so so uh so to be a to be a software engineer you'll probably have to know a little bit about this kind of thing depending on what you're working on going forward
2: so can you give an example Hmm. of what kind of things i mean other than like i think handwriting recognition was one of the things that we're using machine learning for but what other kind of things can people use machine learning
3: for the classic example this is this is a few years ago but it's it is the you know it's the uh, archetypical example is Netflix. Netflix wanted to figure out, and he actually talks about this in the course, Netflix, Netflix wanted to figure out how they can improve the recommendations of movies to their watchers. So, you know, they, they want to recommend movies based on what, what you like, what your preferences are. Do you like comedies? Do you like action? Uh, and so the better that they can make recommendations, the more likely you are to watch more on their on their system. So they actually put a, they had a, a contest, essentially, where they offered a million-dollar prize to anyone out there in the world who could come up with the best solution to improve their accuracy of recommendations. And they gave a set of test data. And the set of test data is, here's a bunch of movies. Uh, here's a bunch of, of user profiles. So use that to build a model so that if you have some other user profile you can predict which movies they're likely to, to like and, and want to watch. And like I said, they, there was a million-dollar prize. They gave a million dollars to someone for coming up with a great solution. And it you know for them, that, that was a good deal, right? If they improved the recommendation accuracy by 10%, you know, they, they probably made hundreds of millions of dollars off of that. So anytime where there's, where there's just a huge amount of data... Uh, and there's a pattern in that data. You can use this type of technique or a set of techniques, and there's a whole bunch of different techniques, including everything from just linear regression, which is a real simple one, through uh, neural networks, which are, which is very hot right now, very hot and trendy, uh, and things like support vector machines, which is which is another another approach. Uh, you can use these things to come up with highly accurate, Models of things that you just can't model analytically, uh, and once you have these models, you can you can target things to customers. So it's uh, if if you want to sell uh, you know sell soap to people, well, what's the best kind of soap to sell to this particular person? If you yeah. if you can build a model on that, then you can then you can do that better and make more money. So so uh, hugely powerful techniques that have only in the past you know ten or fifteen years or so become really feasible because of the advance in computing power that's out right. there. A lot of the hmm. techniques and the math have been around for you know, 30, 40 years, but you just didn't have, well, first you didn't have the, the amount of data that you need to get a good model, and you didn't have the, the number crunching capability to, to build the model.
2: And would they use like the success, like if they recommend movies to people and and people actually do follow up on those recommendations? Would they use that information to further the learning of the algorithms? Is that
3: exactly, absolutely, absolutely, right. yeah, okay, yeah. The more data you get, if if you make an accurate prediction, then that reinforces the model. If it's an inaccurate uh, prediction, then it uh, then it uh, it changes the model, tweaks the model slightly to try to get it better.
2: Right. And this is how Skynet yep. gets born.
3: Well, it is, of course, of course, <laughs> but, uh,
0: but it's still pretty cool stuff. Definitely.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. One day they'll be using computers to write movie themes or movie, movie, uh, ideas. Actually, there actually already is a, have heard about a computer that wrote, writes stories. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. No, no.
0: Sports yeah, stories.
2: I I, was it sports? I think it was on Spark or on, on, uh, CBC. They have a science show. They talked about a, a um, algorithm that writes stories. Was it sports, sports? stories? Okay,
1: okay. Yes, it was sports stories. If you'd like, I'll find a link for you. But you uh, throw the ball, yeah, you catch sports, the ball. Sometimes it rains. Yeah. That kind of thing. Sports journalism is incredibly formulaic. So, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Yeah, that's not a joke. That's serious. No, it's, I know. So is some of the interviews.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So I, I've I've read some of these generated stories. They're interesting, but very boring.
2: Hmm. Hmm. All right, well, this isn't really a pick, but I posted this in the in the show notes since Aaron and I were looking for topics to talk about. And one of them, it's kind of follow-up too, and I think this week it was announced that um, Dash uh, for iOS was open-sourced by our friend Mr. Capelli. Um, and there was some feedback on that. I don't know if you saw the feedback, but uh, I kind of, I just, I happened to notice that it was open-sourced. I hadn't a chance to look at it. I think I maybe clicked on the GitHub thing once and never really do- dove into it. Have you heard anything about that, Aaron?
1: But going open source, you mean? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, it went open and, source this week,
2: and there was no feedback on on the code or how it was written or what have you. The fact, well, this
1: is the solution. His solution to the yes. to the uh, the fact this, that he'll never be able to get back on the store, right? Exactly. It's it's definitely a sign that Dash is gone. That it's not coming back. That whatever uh, back and forth was occurring between him and Apple, it's over. Uh, so it's not happening. He has given up on Dash, and what? better thing to do than to give it away uh, and so that's what he did this week is published it to GitHub the complete source code to Dash for iOS is there available for anyone to read Yeah, it's interesting
0: that it's under um, people were talking about it's under the GPL which, the GNU general public license uh, version 3 which is like the most restrictive one um, and there was some talk about that and I think my my general philosophy uh, with regards to licenses is to stay the heck away from Mm. Uh, anything that is yeah. uh, GPL or LGPL. But that's mostly when I'm thinking of it in a, like, I'm going to take this third-party component and incorporate it into my my software. Yeah. In this case, since it's an, an entire product, I'm like, yeah, that, that's probably okay then because, like, this guy doesn't want people to, to, like, just take his stuff, change the logo and repackage it and, and call it good, right, and, and create their own product. That's that's kind of not really the intent. So, Javi, mean, the GNU license, the restriction is that you can't use it for any commercial purposes isn't that right uh version three i i I can't remember it's been such a long time since um oh there you go june 29th 2007 uh it's been such a long time since i remember reading about the specific differences between uh, version two and version three but to tell you the mindset it it really was brought about in the case of like drm is evil all software should be forever free, like a super extremist view of, of uh, open source software. Uh, mm-hmm. I tend to lean more towards the BSD and uh, MIT license. The I'd
3: MIT like. license, yeah.
0: Go do whatever the hell you want with it. Like, I hope you didn't do anything bad with it, but uh, contribute if you'd like or don't. It's up to you. It's totally And, and
3: make sure you attribute to the author in whatever you do.
0: Right. That's the key point. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. mm-hmm
0: yeah and, and Tim, as far as feedback goes, I think you might be referencing the um the if statement of doom that uh people are chatting about on twitter i mean like okay i mean yeah it's not it's not a great example of uh, like the best software development uh practice, but uh, I've certainly been guilty of things uh quite ugly that I would not be proud to to open source <laughs> so I kind of feel for the guy,
2: <laughs> yeah, I think I saw some some chatter on the fact that you know there was some people were sort of saying you know if you were going to put stuff out there you'd sort of make it your best show
0: if you could right i mean i ideally you would because um you know nobody wants to be embarrassed but i i think that misses out on the opportunity to to teach people right like this is if if you have a better way of handling what that giant if statement is trying to do um you can always roll up your sleeves and submit a pull request and uh not only will uh, mr capelli here learn like A new or better way to deal with this but so will everybody else because everybody else can see it it's not just some arcane knowledge that uh gets stuck in one person's mind anymore
1: yeah in fact that's exactly what happened uh so pull request four on the project uh does have a fix for that if statement and it was merged so it's gone
2: well that's the whole point of of open sourcing is that you you put it up there and other people can
1: can help you out and contribute and make it better right Exactly, and uh, there was actually a mm-hmm. nice little discussion about this thing in that poll request. So, uh, Daniel Jalkut wrote to add his support to um, uh, Bogdan. Bogdan, right? Remember, that's his name. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just to uh, say that you know, like it's not fair to criticize just for the reasons that Jaime was saying, and uh, and he wrote back, and he's you know very sanguine about. People commenting about the code. And he just did reminding people to be a little civilized about this stuff. Right, he says right. Dash contains a lot of silly code and hacks. So anyone reading this, go ahead and find it and discuss it and criticize it. I don't mind. Mm hmm. Okay.
2: All right. Yeah, cool. That's our Dash follow up. So, Aaron, if people want to get a hold of you on the interwebs, uh, how can they find you? Go to Twitter at Aaron Vay. And Jaime, where can they find you?
0: I'm also on Twitter as uh, at uh, Dev of the Hair, and, and and maybe eventually here I'll be able to use a QR code too. I just just saw that today. We didn't uh-huh. talk about it, but uh, maybe in the after show.
3: Okay. <laughs> and Mark, if people want to get <laughs> in touch that, with the, you, it, no, uh, Mark R at Smapsoft dot com. I was just going to comment. It, it, it it's interesting that that QR codes might be getting a, a new lease on life from Twitter. Uh, considering that uh, they never really caught on here in the U.S., they're—I right. guess—they're huge in in Korea and Japan, South Korea and Japan, but but they uh, just never really, never really—you uh, know—caught on in the U.S.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they use them here for marketing, like if like a realtor or whatever. In fact, I I think yeah. I posted a, a follow-up to um, Greg's explanation of how to do a vine on Instagram. I actually was at Dundas, Young and Dundas Square, which is. You often find buskers there, and there was a guy with a drum set. And he had on his drum set on the big bass drum, he had a QR code, which I thought was kind of funny. I guess you could just you know zap that QR code and find out his find his website or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So it, like people use them. They were using them for promotional marketing kind of stuff. But I guess that's maybe that's what they use it for in the states. And I thought it was yeah. I thought it was kind of going yeah. away.
3: Yeah. I mean, you, you yeah. do see them every once in a while. The last time I used one in an app was 2000. 2000- Twelve, I think. Uh, I was working on a, an app called uh Relive at the time, the first version of Relive, which was a uh, a photo sharing app. And we used it had the concept of you would join an event and then you could share photos within the event. And we used QR codes as a good solution of how do you invite people to this event when you're standing right there next to them. And you don't <laughs> you know you don't want to send them a an, an email or a text or something when they're right there. You know it's kind of silly. They got to. Catch a thing and and then and then follow a link or something like that. So what we came up with, we would show a QR code on your phone, and then the other person running the app could just scan your phone, and boom, right, you were right. connected. Hmm. And it, it worked really well, but uh, you know, get uh, QR codes just kind of seemed to fade away after that. It'd be nice to see them come back.
2: I was going to say because yeah, you have to have some. I mean, I think the the part where they sort of fell down for me, at least in terms of execution, was is you have a QR code, and how do you explain to people, you know, neophytes with their their, their Nokia flip phones, how do you tell them what to do with that, right? So wouldn't yeah. they, in some case, have to open, like, Red Laser from, from Amazon or whatever and, and and take a shot of it and then hopefully have it read the QR code? Is that the idea behind it? Like, in your case, you impl- implemented it in Relive, right? So
3: Right, right. And actually, one thing that we would love to have been able to do was have you use something like... Uh, uh, Red laser is that what it's, what it's called? Red laser? Yeah, I think one of them. Yeah, yeah. To to scan the QR code, even if you don't have the app, and then go install it from the app store, and and instantly be connected. But we ran into the old problem of you can't you can't attribute through installation in the app store. If I know I've talked about this, where if you if you have someone follow a link to the app store and then install the app. Uh, until recently there was no good way to or no you know solid way to to uh, pass information through that install process so you knew where you came from when you when you did the install to automatically uh deep link somewhere in the app to auto- automatically get information into the app that came from something that happened before the installation of the app uh so so we stopped using it for that but but uh now you could do that kind of thing which is which is great um but uh but yeah you're right. Uh to go back to the original point of you have to teach someone who's new how to use this. It it's just a critical mass thing. If it, if they ever got popular enough where they were everywhere and everyone knew what they were, then there would be no problem because everyone would know what they are. And it's 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 just like, you know, how do you teaching people how to you that you have to swipe to go left or right? You know, the first time you see it, you may not know, but that but once it becomes so ubiquitous that that it's everywhere then everybody knows how to do it and then there's right, no problem
2: right yeah it's interesting I was going to say it's, it's just like teaching people like make, you've got to make it as easy as paying, paying for something with Apple to Pay with your watch for instance right right which I, right. Which I do all the time like, like you said it's interesting I did a, a, a training session today on accessibility because it was for accessibility for developers um, and where I, was, I wasn't I was training, I was participating. And they were showing us some of the things that, like, you know, you can turn on accessibility on your phone, you can do voiceover and whatever. But sort of things, some of the, the tricks, like if you do, uh, you know, what happens if you do a single single flick up, a single flick down, t- two finger flicks, three finger flicks. And if you have voiceover on, if you, and don't do this, people at home, but if you have voiceover on and you, you uh, triple tap with three fingers, it actually turns the screen off. So your phone yeah. is still running, right? And you can but you can do all the sort of accessibility stuff like you can still have the voice over work and tell you what you're, you know, doing and you know typing a message to somebody or what have you, right? Um yeah. and so, cuz somebody was telling me today in the course that, that you know a friend of his says that his battery on his phone lasts a week because he doesn't use the display. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. So it was interesting, just, again, but it's, it's like, you know, or the analogy is that, you know, as developers, we're asked to work on these bugs for accessibility, yet we don't even know how to use the accessibility on the phone. And because and, one of the bugs we had today was, was, you know, it was reading the wrong information. But it turned out that if we had just done a two-finger swipe up, which what that does is it starts reading from the top of the screen and goes all the way down the screen until it, until, it stop, until you tell it to stop. So you know, if, and it's just like if you go to a pull-down menu, you know, when when you a sighted person goes to a pull-down menu, first thing you do is click on it, then you read through the choices, right? So this is the same thing, but using VoiceOver, right? But not knowing how to how to, not knowing the actual command to do that. I mean, if you're interested in, it, there's a VoiceOver tutorial that uh, when you turn VoiceOver on, you can go in and play around with that kind of stuff and see what'll happen. And it tells you what it will do if you do those do those kind of gestures. Cool stuff. Anyway, coming back to the sign-off, my name is Dimitra and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and you can find me on Twitter, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, and that's it for another week, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website. And if you can, please write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press that recommend button. All of these things help others find out about the show, and we really appreciate you helping spreading the word. We're also on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. You can support the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.
1: Holy crap, yeah. that was amazing. Like, I can't believe like, in the midst of the sign-off, we had like three digressions. Nuts! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're going to edit that or if it's just going yeah, well, to be... Welcome to
2: Roundabout. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, welcome to the MTJC
2: Roundabout podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought we'd never get back. We had three digressions? So here, so here's my story about Arrival. So I'm downtown, I had, to, I had to go drop off some Macs. Friday was a holiday for us, right, because... Now I'm I'm a banker. Now I get to take bank holidays, right? So remember me too
0: Day. for the first time in like ever. Oh right,
2: so it's so I guess your your Veterans Day was Friday, right? Yep. Yeah. So so it's Memorial uh, Remembrance Day, November 11th. Same thing, right? Um, and uh, we thank you for your sacrifice of your lives, everybody. Um, but anyway, the. Um, so I had the day off and so I had to drop off the rental car that I had from last week and, and drop off some Macs at the office and I had some time to kill and I was looking for showings of Arrival and the only Arrival one I could find that sort of was relatively within the time that I wanted to see it was at this thing they call VIP where you sit you sit in a comfy chair and they're supposed to, you know, take your order in the seat and it, you know, and you get to see this in a relatively large size theater, it's not a huge theater. Um, but it's kind of like watching it at home kind of thing, right? But the ticket price was like twenty four dollars, and I'm thinking I don't want to pay twenty four dollars. It's a lot of money. I mean, like prices for tickets have gone through the roof lately with all these, you know, special UMX and IMAX and all kinds of different options, 3D and not 3D and all that kind of stuff. You have choices. Was for. this
3: at least a, an IMAX or something or something? No,
2: it was just it was just a regular regular theater. Anyway, so so the point was it was it, I came down to how much time it would take me to travel from where I was downtown to an, a, you know one of the theaters in the beaches or uptown or whatever versus how much I would pay and then what time how long would I would have to wait. And I want to I you know I, I wanted to get back home and edit the podcast for because Fridays are an editing day for me. It just worked out that yeah it was twenty four bucks and yeah the time was convenient and I was already downtown already and I wouldn't have to do as much traveling, right? So I bit the bullet, bought the ticket and went and saw the show. But I'm telling you, that movie was worth way more than twenty four dollars. That's that's it's an amazing, amazing movie really cool so and it was people's choice i think no it wasn't people's choice it was at our tiff our, our toronto film festival um and that's one of the ones that i when i saw the description of it, i wanted to go see it but uh didn't didn't get around to it yeah no definitely make make it a point of going to see it you'll really enjoy it that's yeah, my I pick mean, for the week thanks, thanksgiving <laughs> is,
0: is coming up so um, oh hey yeah I, I know i know you are a canadian but uh i always suspected that the canadians took american days off too when they worked with us so Mm, no. <laughs> At least nobody will be around to notice that you're not doing stuff. Yeah. So. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, they will hear, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, you mean you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when is Thanksgiving? Is next weekend?
3: A week from Thursday.
2: A week from I Thursday. Is,
3: right. Isn't
2: that right, Henry? And so, what are you doing for Thanksgiving besides sacrificing a bird?
3: Bye. Eating turkey, drinking.
0: <laughs> yeah, same
2: thing. Just, Just doing same, it with some, with some friends, local yeah, that's, friends. That's what that. I'm doing too.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: Cool. Was there like football yeah. and stuff to watch? Oh.
3: There is there is football. Uh, no games that I'm particularly interested in. But uh, mm-hmm. oh, the, but it's always a Dallas game, isn't it? No, not a Dallas yeah. game. Yeah, so you Detroit you have
0: De- Detroit in the morning, um, yep. Dallas in the afternoon, and yep. I didn't see who the the uh, NFL Network uh, late night ones are. I'll Have to take mm-hmm. a look at the schedule.
2: But it's like a whole day of football and leaf leaf raking and stuff like that, and bad sweater wearing. Well, no leaf raking on the
3: West Coast, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, in, in New England for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty much you sit around and eat and drink and move as little as possible.
0: <laughs> right, right. Hmm. Yep, yep. Oh, I found the this, this schedule here. So Vikings at Lions mm. in the morning, Redskins at Cowboys, mm-hmm. um, and Steelers at Colts for the mm. uh, five thirty or. Well, evening one. Yeah,
3: so no really good games. Unfortunately, those are all kind of mm. eh, games. I mean, the Vikings.
0: Vikings are good this year. Cowboys yeah, but the are Lions aren't. Year. Right? Um, yeah, that's true.
3: And, and the Redskins aren't.
0: <laughs> I think the most and, competitive uh, one is uh, Steelers, Steelers and Colts. But the Colts
3: yeah. aren't even that great. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh. I'm actually going to a game this weekend. Um, going to the Pat- the Patriots are in town playing the Forty Nine ers. I'm going to that game. Hopefully that'll be a a blowout for the. For the Patriots, it should be the right. pretty, pretty terrible this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jaime, mean, did you watch the game on Sunday?
0: Of course, the, I did. The, the watch the, game? the Seahawks. Uh, oh, that hurt, dude. The, the Seahawks <laughs> could just like not stay away from game-ending controversy this year. I know. But, uh, that that ends up in their favor. So I don't know.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tim, if you didn't watch the game, uh, the Seahawks, Seattle Seahawks, played the Patriots in New England last week, and uh, had a one touchdown lead with a minute or so left in the game, and the Patriots, with Tom Brady, marched down field to the essentially the two yard line, and had I think it was first down on the two yard line, or maybe second down, and couldn't with, with with literally like ten seconds left in the game,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and and couldn't score. No so, way. So, yeah, so the
1: Seahawks ended up winning. Yeah, mm. very painful for a Patriot fan.